to say hey hi hoy welcome bonjour annyeong salam kamachoba bom dia nyadibulela ngapha ngasinzansi africa siyabonga hola como estás Hi guys and welcome back to Eloping with the Truth. In this episode I sit down with the lovely Hildeal again as part of our Black History Month series. Hey guys. And in this episode we are talking about representation and diversity. So Hildeal, um to what extent do you think diversity in advertising matters? I think it matters quite a bit because historically um so many um, so many communities and individuals were excluded from this and historically being in the recent mm, and historically being in recent history right this is not a uh, ancient paradigm this is not an ancient problem that we're looking at this is something that in the last 10 20 years so many ethnic minorities and groups that were um excluded from society have been excluded from advertising hmm. Um, minority groups have been excluded from and so i think it matters a lot whether people are featured in certain um advertisements however i think there is a emphasis that is being placed on represent representation as though it's the messiah or as though it's the savior from oppression when actually seeing ethnic minorities and black people on advertisements is not what's going to solve the institutional and systemic racism that we have in society is just a component that goes to um challenge those ideas. Yeah, I do think I think it's it's kind of people being like, okay, black people e- exist and like the recognition that we exist and putting us in, but it doesn't actually again like change any systemic issues. It doesn't I think one thing it does do is provide more opportunities, mm-hmm. especially for people who work in media or who want to become actresses or actors. It's like, okay, now here are more opportunities for you um as a marginalized group. um especially because i think quite a lot of black actors end up having to go to like the, the US and like end up having roles in kind of i guess african american centered movies and whilst there has been quite a lot of backlash from people like i think Samuel L Jackson or something um who was very much against the idea of like black british actors playing black american roles because again like different experiences it was still a sentiment that they won enough roles for black actors in the UK and in other places and providing that representation does mean that there is more kind of yeah like availability but at the same time it doesn't do much to solve any issues and also when it comes to that representation often it isn't that accurate like it does allow for the representation of a very small minority of the black community and so Oh, sorry. No, no, keep going. Um and so um for example with like the Hunger Games and the fact that I think Rue the character was presented by um an actor who is kind of light light skin or lighter than the character was portrayed in the books was something that wasn't very accurate but people were like okay well you should be happy about it because they're a black actor a black character in a movie. Um yeah, do you have anything to add? No, absolutely. And I think also part of the nuance in this discussion lies in actually why. Why is there more like um black models and advertisements and other members of ethnic minority communities on advertisements? And 
I know this sounds very cynical, but I don't actually think it's for positive goals. I just think that's because being, um, having more equality or representing more equality and diversity is more marketable at the moment. And so as a result for um, like companies profit and gain, they're more likely to put black actors and models in their ads, which is actually an interesting power um, imbalance and, and concept to analyze because is this actually liberating? Is this actually helping the community in any way? Um, or is this largely to or is this largely to allow companies to thrive in a shifted social um, kind of environment? Definitely. And I do think it kind of, I don't want to say supports colorism, but it does kind of kind of expose it a bit and allows for there to be more conversations surrounding it. And kind of on that note, do you think that colorism is something that will ever be truly like eradicated or removed from society? I think it definitely does have the potential to be. Um, I think that a lot of the time, again, like we said on a different episode, we as the black community in the UK do reinforce a lot of the things that we are trying to fight against through internalized racism. So for example, with colorism being from Sudan, um, I know loads of people that use whitening creams to this day to kind of try to lighten their skin tones. Um, and the fact that this is still a thing shows that there is still some work and unlearning to be done. But also I'm really like inspired and motivated by the fact that a lot of discussions on social media and a lot of discussions within society amongst younger generations are fighting back so hardly, um, particularly for black women against colorism. Um, the camaraderie we have and support we have for black women in the community is something that's really inspiring and gives me a lot of hope that actually colorism is something we can dismantle. Yeah, I think it. I think it definitely is something that could, just again, in like a lot of years. But I, I do think that it is, I guess, reminiscent of like colonial ideas and colonization and just like occupation of different countries and the opposing of, I guess, European or Western ideas in terms of what is beautiful and what isn't. And I think as countries, especially in Africa, tend to like move more, move away from those infrastructures especially of like Nigeria and their ban on white models it does allow for there to be a lot more space um away from colorism where people I guess also just feel a lot more valued and kind of going on to this what is your opinion on Nigeria's ban on white models and like non-Nigerian models I think that's a really interesting discussion and question um obviously I'll answer it first by looking at the context so the um, department in the government which made this decision was because it wanted to invest in the talent and the um, people of Nigeria, right? Instead of what was previously about roughly 50-50, 50% foreign models in adverts and then 50% Nigerian. And so they wanted to reinforce um, kind of and support that talent that exists within Nigeria. I think it is very powerful. But I don't want this to turn into something where it is just taken at face value and compared to other countries in the world. So, for example, someone from the UK saying, well, what if we only allowed like white British models? I think the concept of identity in these two regions is very different. And so that context needs to be taken into account. I think it's definitely perhaps probably a very powerful move, but I think only time will tell how like how useful and um, yeah, how useful and what do I want to say? 
how useful and empowering it is to like Nigerian people, obviously, because it's happening in Nigeria. Fair. Um, I, I think, yeah, it, is, it was a very strong move on their part. And I would say that I'm definitely here for it just because I think, so I think it was 2011 when the World Health Organization released a statistic saying that 77.4% of um, black Nigerian women have used some sort of skin whitening treatment. Wow. And that's a lot of people. Um, and I do think that, like we were saying before, when it comes to like seeing yourself being represented in media and advertisements, it does affect like your opinion of yourself or how you see yourself or value yourself within society. And for like little girls who are now going to see more of other people that look like them, of like all skin ranges, it's definitely something that I see will only ever be positive. Mm, absolutely. Um, I guess people will always make the argument of it like increasing decreasing opportunities for like foreign people but at the same time I do think it it increasing opportunities for the people of that country is probably more of a consideration especially considering the colonial legacy I think yeah. that is like one of the biggest points there like the colonial legacy which left so much um which created so many problems for people in Nigeria is something that cannot be underestimated mm. and overwriting that story um, through this decision is perhaps quite a powerful and like you said direct move against what has been going on for so long yeah especially because it's also just like a health thing like mm, aside absolutely. from like the way you look it is like by using skin bleaching or skin whitening products you're increasing your risk of cancers you're increasing decreasing um i guess how long you could possibly live and all of those things are massive considerations um so yeah i definitely stand with nigeria um what is your opinion on raising awareness via infographics? Because Ooh. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they were very much against the idea of like white liberals posting infographics um, and being like, this is enough when it comes to like creating change or like promoting discourse. Mm. So I think the first time I saw major use of infographics was during the Sudanese revolution um, when the massacre happened on... Um, in on the last on the last when the massacre happened in Sudan on the last few days of Ramadan, and there was an internet blackout, and so people were using their social media platforms to kind of speak out against it and amplify people's voices in Sudan, which could not be heard for that reason, right? I think use of tools because infographics are a tool must be purposeful. They must have an end goal. I think. There is a great value in posting information online. However, I think it's made us lazy. I think it's made us only want to read the infographic. Yeah, I know enough. And I think saying I don't know enough has become too much of an easy cop out. Mm. Like obviously in a non-arrogant way, we are not going to know enough. But reading an infographic and then declaring you don't know enough is just pure laziness. It's just not willing to address the issues that you want to almost label yourself as this humanitarian hot girl or something like this person who really cares about society, but you're not doing the work. And I even think that even after you've researched, like you have to go out and like help organizations and communities. I realized at one point that some of the content I was making on social media wasn't really, it was just like based on what I was hearing on social media. And when I took some time to reflect, I realized it was because because obviously I had exams and so forth. So I wasn't prioritizing actually going out into the community and helping with community organizations and movements and so forth. But I'd almost like 
not been fighting for, I was claiming to fight for. And I think that to me was a realization that if you don't have two grounds on the feet and two hands helping people out with the actual causes you're claiming to support, a lot of the discussions and infographics you make are going to be so desensitized and are not going to be, <laughs> that's fine, <laughs> are going to be, okay, are going to be so desensitized and so not helpful to the things you claim to support. I think it's so lazy, like, to just rely on infographics. Yeah, There's definitely. so much more we can do. They're so powerful to, like, get people, it's like a headline, right? It's just mm. like a headline. Scroll five pages of headlines and key information, but you kind of need to do more than that afterwards. Definitely. But also it's like, if you're swiping through someone's story and you've seen an infographic and you have the time to swipe through, surely, you, and also the access to internet, clearly you do have time to read a bit more. Or even if you don't, you should take time out to read more about that topic. Mm. And I think I was really disappointed when I saw, for example, um, people posting on Instagram, um, Muslim British um, citizenship has been reduced to second class because of the new bill, right? And that's a headline. And that headline is indicative of what the bill is about, but why? And I was really annoyed because by posting this, people weren't understanding why. And I think that is the heart of the problem, the why, right? Why Muslim British citizenship was degraded. It's because under international law, you can't make someone stateless. And so it's people of dual nationalities that are gonna be targeted by the nationality and borders bill and the ability to strip citizenship because you can't do it to someone with one identity or you, sorry, one um, passport. You can't do it to someone who can trace, um, who can't trace any other national identity elsewhere. And therefore this inundatedly makes it so that Muslim British people, for example, who are the main targets of such like policies will be affected. But an infographic and lack of research isn't going to tell you that. And so I think we have a duty to be more inquisitive and intrigued in the things that we're talking about, right? I think it's a disservice to yourself to just kind of zone out of issues. And it's a sign of privilege. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Going on to um, my next question. Do you think that white saviorism is always bad? Yeah, because white saviorism is a bad action, right? Utilizing your privilege for good is something entirely different. But white saviorism is reimposing your privilege and ignoring the views of those that you are claiming to support, which is always inherently harmful. Um, I think one of the things that always makes me screw my face when I see it is someone going on those missions to Africa mm -hmm. to help the poor people and then them posting about it on social media. I'm like, really? There's so much you could do. It's like so annoying to see. And that's an example of white saviorism. It's almost assuming that there aren't problems like in the UK, for example, or mm. in the country which you reside or originate from. And so you had to take this trip all the way to see these exotic people and their exotic problems. I say this with heavy sarcasm. <laughs> um, and so I think white saviorism is always a bad thing. And it's got that title for a reason. It's almost acting as though your inherent differences make you able to save when actually it requires more reflection on why and how you can use privilege to support ongoing movements led by the people who are directly impacted by these issues do you think that's the issue then that when it comes to i guess like white saviorist or like people who are partaking in white saviorism is that they don't reflect enough in terms of like their actions and what impact it's having on a community i think it's multiple things in that so that's definitely one but I think the second is actually acknowledging your privilege and choosing not to do anything about it right 
And that is also quite bad. Like you recognizing that you have this powerful position, but you wanting all the glory and all the medals and all the recognition for doing something that the community didn't ask for. I think that can be harmful. Yeah, there's obviously going to be a few examples of why white saviorism paid off and it's done something good, but in its essence, in its like truth, it's just an inherently harmful thing. Yeah, no, I agree, definitely. Um, do you think books that aim to tackle white saviorism are effective? Like, do you think the people that they're aimed at do actually read them? Because obviously there's like a, a lot of white people who attempt to do good. But do you think they're the ones that are attracted to those books? I can't really judge like the specific Fair. like um, utility of a book, right? Or the utility. <laughs> um, the posi- I can't really quantify the positive outcomes a book mm. can have. But what I can tell you is, I remember having a profound discussion with someone. Um, it was a white person who came to me and said, you know what? Like, I just came to the realization under like our current society and the structures we have, white people are always destined to have some form of like racist bias that we need to overcome in some way. Like there's always something someone has to do. And in that moment, like we were kind of having a discussion about it, but I realized it was reflection and critical thinking that Mm -hmm. is going to do far more than turning pages of a book. I think, you know, researching and posing as an academic (laughs) on racism or posing as this lovely ally isn't necessarily always what's going to do it i think it's critical Mm. reflection um and recognition of your position in society and how different intersections may impact how you view other people's oppression i think that's probably more powerful yeah i agree because obviously because also like when it comes to like critically evaluating your own actions it then affects how you interact with other people um and that's I think a lot more better, like you said, than reading an academic paper and being like, oh, this is really interesting, but not actually changing the way that you interact or changing the way that you view, I guess, anything in your like social bubble or mm. in terms of the people that you come into contact with. Um, in your local community, do you think that white people find it hard to talk about racism or with you? When you say local community, what do you mean? So the people around you, maybe people you're friends with or school. I think personally, I've got like a very clear and firm like opinion on racism. Mm. So I guess like some people might not fully express themselves. I don't know, because they might feel, I don't want to say that. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not going to answer this question truthfully. Fair. Okay. So if you want to skip it. <laughs> okay. Because I know the answer is no. They don't talk to me about it. Because I'm very harsh. Fair enough. Yeah, no, that's a good, I mean, it's a good response. Um, do you have any questions? I think that's all that I have. No? Okay. What was I saying before? Uh, we were talking about introspection and like critical thinking opposed to like turning pages of a book. Okay. So I definitely think that introspection, like I was saying, introspection is obviously something that is, is important, um, not just for white people, but also for everyone. So like we were talking about the black community, Um, and obviously being part of this global community, but also this like individual community in the the UK or America, et cetera. And I think people in general have a responsibility to educate themselves surrounding the people that they are around um, and work towards creating a better society. 
and thank you guys Spe- specifically thank you Hadil for sitting down with oh, me thank you for letting me this. thank you for inviting me I've enjoyed this discussion thoroughly always um yeah thank you guys for listening to another episode as part of the series if you have any questions feel free to dm the instagram or to email us um hope you enjoy yeah thank you so much and make sure you check out the previous episodes um yeah because i've thoroughly enjoyed recording this little mini series for black history month with joyce Uh, but yeah thank you for having me and have a great rest of black history month (laughs) can i just press yeah the red button